Pray with me, will you? Father God, I thank you with all my heart. I thank you for your word. And I thank you for that prayer, my Father, the kingly prayer that Jesus offered you just before his death for all of us. I thank you that he prayed to you to keep us and to keep us in unity one with the other. Father, we do want to be one with you, one with Jesus, one with one another. My Father, let your word come unobstructed. Let your word come free. And let all who want to receive it, receive it freely, Lord. Prepare our hearts and our minds. Prepare us, Lord Jesus, to receive your word and bring your blessing to this church this morning. In Jesus' holy name. Good morning, everyone. Please, um, in your bulletins, as I tell you every week, in your bulletin, there are some sheets, or there is a sheet, either a loose sheet or the last sheet in the bulletin, which is there for you to take notes. Um, I'm pretty sure you will want to take notes today. So... Prepare yourself and allow the Lord to speak to you and to your heart and, uh, and be blessed. Uh, today I'm going to do something a little different than my norm. Uh, normally I would preach to you from one of the lessons that I read today. But this morning I want to focus my attention and focus your attention on the ascension of Jesus, the ascension of Jesus Christ into heaven. Something that is sometimes a bit obscure and uncelebrated. For example, how many of you know that last Thursday was Ascension Day? A few of you know that last Thursday, very few of everybody that is here realized that last Thursday was, was Ascension Day. Either, either because you know the calendar or perhaps you may have even seen a number of people f- put things on Facebook on Ascension on the day last Thursday. But the large majority of Christians even though they may know the ascension, they don't understand the full impact of the ascension of Jesus. And so, as I was thinking of what I wanted to teach you today, I thought it has been a long time since I have taught on the ascension of Jesus, so I wanted to bring to you a teaching on the ascension. Again, because it's so obscure in people's minds that the ascension is of extreme importance. It is of extreme importance and it is ignored by so many of us 
because it always falls on a Thursday. And normally we don't meet on a Thursday to, to, to worship. Normally, so ascension normally goes right by our minds and our attention. And we are not focused on the celebration of the ascension of our Lord. We know in scripture that after the resurrection of Jesus and for 40 days Jesus ascended, Jesus appeared to his disciples in numerous ways and in numerous forms and in different places, always teaching about the kingdom of God and teaching them and encouraging them. And at the 40th day after Easter, which is what makes it fall always on Thursday, at the 40th day after Easter Sunday, he took him over to Bethany and he ascended to heaven in their presence. I want to focus on the ascension today because many have no idea of what happened or why it happened. And so I want to teach you. You see, Easter and Pentecost, Easter and Pentecost are things that we tend to focus on. Easter, the church is filled with people that may never go to church, but on Easter day, they just have to be here. Easter day churches are filled and we celebrate it and the best music is brought out and everybody comes out and we do dance and we do different things and we celebrate Easter. And then we have Pentecost and everyone is kind of waiting and always praying, Lord, send your Holy Spirit upon us. I want a new Pentecost in my life. My heart is open. Come, Holy Spirit. Come in power. Come and heal. Come and we focus on Pentecost Sunday. And sandwiched between Easter and Pentecost, there is the ascension. But we seldom pay much attention to the ascension of our Lord. Each Sunday, in fact, almost every, in fact, every Sunday that you and I get together to worship and we celebrate the Eucharist, we say the Nicene Creed. And in the Nicene Creed, there is a portion there where we say, on the third day he rose again according to the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. We say it every single Sunday. And every time, even during the week when we celebrate communion, we always say the Nicene Creed. We affirm Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus ascended to heaven. But we don't pay any attention to the meaning and importance of the ascension of Jesus. Also, every Sunday during the Eucharist, we say, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Well, before Jesus can come again, Jesus had to ascend to heaven. Sandwich between he has risen and he will come again has to be the idea of the ascension. 
Today, our second song that we sang, a song that is beloved of many and a song that I love, a song that is called, Lord, I Lift Your Name on High. What do we say in the chorus? He came from heaven to earth to show the way. From the earth to the cross, my debt to pay. From the cross to the grave and from the grave to the sky. Did you notice that when you were singing it? From the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on high. So we keep talking about the ascension in different ways and in different forms. Uh, we make um, observations of it, but we, we, most of you, have no idea about the importance of the ascension. Let me share with you a few passages of Scripture to put the ascension of Jesus in its proper context. In Luke chapter 24, toward the end of the Gospel of Luke, Luke writes, Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. This is Luke as he concludes the gospel. He concludes with the ascension of Jesus. Now I want to remind you that Luke not only wrote the gospel, Luke also wrote the book of Acts of the Apostle. The book of Acts of the Apostle is volume two in the story of Jesus and the church. So as Luke concludes the gospel, he concludes with the ascension of Jesus. As he opens the book of Acts, this is how he begins. In the first book, meaning the gospel, in the first book of Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. The gospel is about from the birth of Jesus all the way to when Jesus was taken up. That's what Luke is saying here. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. To them he presented himself alive after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will baptize with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he has said these things, as they were looking on, 
he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were guessing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This Jesus, whom you have seen today ascend into heaven, will return from the same heaven. And that's the second coming of Christ. There's another passage which I want to bring to your attention from the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1 and also chapter 4. After making, talking about Jesus, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Since then, chapter 4, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. There are a number of passages I can bring to your attention that speak about the ascension of Jesus. To me, these are probably the four most crucial and important passages for you to understand that Jesus ascended to heaven and he is now seated at the right hand of the authority of the Almighty, his Father in heaven. He sits at the right hand with all the authority of divinity. And he sits there awaiting the time of returning to this earth for his people, for his followers, for those who love him, for those who follow him. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Now let me give you something really quick. I don't know if I'll mention it again. But if you have the idea that Jesus in ascending to heaven divested himself of his humanity, you have the wrong idea. The same Jesus Christ that descended from the cross, the same Jesus Christ who showed his disciples the mark of the nails, the same Jesus Christ that showed the spear where he had entered. That same Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of the Father as a human being, as a human representing humans at the right hand of God. Jesus did not divest himself of humanity. He who represents you today at the right hand of the Father is a human 
person, the son in the flesh, whom better to represent us than one who understands what humanity is about, who understands the weaknesses and the pains and the sorrows of the human person, whom else to represent us at the right hand of the throne of God, but one who fully understands you, what you go through in every respect, your weaknesses, your strengths, your victories, your failures, your hopes, your aspirations, your desire to follow in the times that you fall. Whom better to represent you in heaven than Jesus Christ? Now I have three quick questions for you. I just want you to consider these questions in your mind. I'm not fully asking you to shout out answers. But I do want you to consider before I speak to you farther. First of all, what does the ascension of Jesus have to do with Christmas? We put so much attention on Christmas, Easter, and Pentecost. They're the highlights of the, of the calendar of the church. What does ascension have to do with Christmas? I want you to consider how you would answer that question to yourself. What does the ascension have to do with Christmas? I read, I actually received two articles this week on the ascension of Jesus, and I read them, and they blessed me so much that I'm going to take some chunks from those articles to share with you. One of the articles said this about Jesus. It says that Jesus is the native of heaven, the native of God's realm come to earth. Jesus was not in the beginning like you and I. Jesus was eternally divine, infinitely divine, without beginning and without end, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Jesus was without beginning and without end, continues to be. But at Christmas, he abandoned all of the glory of heaven, and he took on your flesh, my flesh, your humanity, and my humanity with all that comes with it, with blood and brain and heart and legs, ready to sacrifice it on the cross. Jesus takes our humanity on Christmas so that he who ascends is a human person to represent all of humanity at the right hand of God. Christmas allows Jesus to walk in our shoes, allows Jesus to enter our skin, allows Jesus to cry, allows Jesus to sorrow, allow Jesus to experience pain, allows Jesus to bleed, allows Jesus to experience temptation. 
allows Jesus to be fully, completely, without anything left out, to be a human being. And it is that human being that now sits at the right hand of the Father for you and for me. One who understands me. One who understands me more than many other humans might understand me. One who understands my thought process, my pain process, my hope process, my aspiration process. One I can know and depend that he knows me and he knows me well. A human like me is seated today at the right hand of the Father because on Christmas Day he took the flesh of a human. Second question for you. What does the ascension have to do with Easter? What does the ascension have to do with Easter? Think about it for a moment. How would you answer that question? What does the ascension have to do with Easter? We know that at the cross, some of the last words of Jesus, as he hung there, crucified, some of the last words of Jesus were, it is finished. It is finished. With all of the dramatic meaning of those words theologically, the ascension is the sign that indeed all is finished. All of the work of Jesus is complete, and as he ascends to heaven, he ascends because his mission is completely done. Nothing else can be added. He leaves having victory over death, having conquered the atonement for the sin of all people. It was indeed finished, complete. When he ascends, he ascends as a sign. As a sign that indeed Easter was finished. Good Friday was finished. Sin had ended. Death had been conquered. His ascension implies the complete work of Jesus and his ascension to the right hand of the Father where he had completed his mission. Let me put it to you in, in a portion of the article, one of the articles that I read. He says, in this resurrected body, Christ ascended to heaven, fully human, fully divine, entirely glorified. For the Christian, no action of Jesus is without weight. And this, his last action on earth, is weighted with far more hope than is often realized. Ascending to heaven, the work God has sent him to accomplish was finally completed. The ascension was a living and public declaration of his dying words on the cross, it is finished. In the ascension, Jesus fathered the victory of Easter. 
the victory of a physical body in whom God had conquered death. Because of the ascension, the incarnation is not a past or throwaway event. Because of the ascension, we know that the incarnate Son who was raised from the dead is sharing in our humanity even now. Even now. Question number three. I have asked you about the importance of the ascension for Christmas. The importance of the ascension for Easter. Here's question number three. What is the importance of the ascension for the day of Pentecost? What is the importance of Jesus for the day of Pentecost? Think about it a moment. How would you answer that question? Jesus says in chapter 16 of John, listen to this. Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Without the ascension, there's no Pentecost. Without the ascension, there is no Holy Spirit dwelling in you and in me. Without the ascension, we would be orphans. Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans. I will send one that will take my place. I leave, but I'm sending one that will be in you, not just over you, not just around you. He will be in you. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth, the divine third person of the Trinity. I'm going to heaven so that he can come. Because if I don't go, the Spirit won't come. I will send him to you. So here we have the obscure, almost ignored day of ascension. Affecting Christmas. Affecting Easter. And affecting Pentecost. Three Three events that we adore and proclaim and throw big parties about without the ascension, these things are not complete. The ascension is not just something to ignore. The ascension of Jesus is important in the Christian salvation history. The ascension of Jesus. The bodily ascension of Jesus. Jesus ascended as the same human person that was born. Jesus ascended as the same human person that died nailed to the cross. Jesus ascended as the same human person that rose from the dead. I want to give you the title of these two articles that I read. I want to give you the title because the titles alone blew my mind. The first article that I read has this title. The human on heaven's throne. Think about that. That title alone just blows my mind. 
the human who sits on heaven's holy throne of divinity. The human, the one like me, the one that represents me, sits in the holy throne of God. I mean, that title is just, it just tears everything else apart. The human in heaven's throne. And the, the person who wrote the article says, The Redeemer returned to his Father, yet he remained one of us as he took our humanity with him. The second article that I read has a very similar title. The second article has this title, His Human Face. His Human Face. And he says, Jesus did not cease to be flesh. There is a continuing unity with our humanity. The ascension affirms that the incarnation continues. Listen to that. The ascension affirms that the incarnation continues. Let me give it to you like I see it in my mind's eye. I see Jesus in the flesh, seated in the throne in heaven with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says to the Father, Father, that one's mine. Father, I know Wanda. When Wanda suffers, I know what it means because I've been there. Father, when she prays in my name, that's one of mine. Father, I see Jesus as our divine intercessor. When you can't pray no more, Jesus prays for you in the right hand of the Father. And the Father hears his prayer because he is the Son of God and he's praying for you. He's not there seated doing nothing. He's the divine intercessor. As he prayed for the disciples, he continues to pray for all of us, for his church, for his people. He con continues to intercede. And he knows exactly your pain and your sorrow because he lived it. Jesus ascended to heaven to sit in glory, but to be the intercessor for you. And for me, the one who speaks to his father because he knows his sheep and he knows him by name and he calls his sheep and they come to him and he knows you by name and he talks to his father about you and your need and your sorrow and your complaint and the things that you go through in life. Because he knows every single one of them. He has experienced everything you have experienced. And he's your representative in heaven. The human face of God is your face, is human. He did not divest himself of humanity. What better representative do we have than Jesus Christ in the throne? Who better understands us and understands bleeding? And understands pain and understands sorrow. I'll give you one last passage 
from the book of Hebrews chapter 7, which I think is very important. He says in chapter 7, the former priests were many in number. Why were there many in numbers? Because they all died, and so new ones needed to be replaced. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he, Jesus, holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. He always lives to make intercession for them. So what do I want to say to you today? How do you apply the ascension of Jesus? I want to say this to you. I want to say to you to have confidence. To have confidence that your prayers, every single one of your prayers are being heard in heaven. That when you pray, Jesus receives your prayer and he speaks him into his father's ear. I want you to have confidence when you pray that you are not praying hoping that somebody will hear. When you pray, you are heard by one who knows you, by one who understands you. When you pray, I want you to pray with confidence that your father knows your need. That your father knows your pain. That your father knows your questions. That your father knows your confusion at times. That your father knows that at times you have no idea which way to go. And Jesus is intentionally interceding for you and for those needs. I want you to pray with confidence. You are heard by one who knows you. Who knows your struggles. And your pains and your disappointments. And your needs. I want you to have confidence today. I want you to have confidence that you are being prayed for constantly in heaven that even when you don't know how to pray not only will the spirit within you pray but Jesus is interceding for your every need your prayers Jesus is praying for you because he loves you because he intercedes with the father I want you to be confident that even when you sleep Jesus is representing you in the throne of God That even when you're in a hospital bed and you have no energy, Jesus is interceding for you before the throne of heaven. I want you to have confidence that you're being prayed for every moment, every day, every second, that Jesus cares for you. I want to say another thing to you, which is very biblical. But whenever you approach the throne of God in prayer... Whenever you approach the throne of God in prayer, Jesus taught us to pray in his name. He says, whatever you ask in my name, 
whatever you ask in my name. Whenever you pray, Jesus taught us to pray in the name of Jesus, who's at the right hand of the Father, who is the Son of God, the beloved Son of God. Pray in his name. Let me say this to you. I have refused to do the invocation in many places because they have asked me not to mention Jesus. I have refused to pray at city council in Burbank because I'm not allowed to say the name of Jesus. Because if I deny Jesus on earth, why would not Jesus deny me in heaven? And if someone is offended at the name of Jesus, that's their problem, not mine. Jesus taught me that if my prayer is going to be effective, it has to be in the name of Jesus. Because he sits at the right hand of the Father. Because he has the attention of the Father who loves the Son. I will pray in the name of Jesus. I know that politically correct, it doesn't seem to work. And I know that many of my fellow clergy will pray and close with in your name. Just to avoid saying the name of Jesus and not offend. I would rather not pray than deny the name of Jesus. When you pray, pray in the name of Jesus Christ, who is the beloved of the Father. Do not deny him on earth, because you don't want him to deny you in heaven. And lastly, a quote from one of the articles. He said, in Christ, you have acquired both heaven and the kingdom of Christ. In Christ, you have acquired the kingdom of heaven. You have acquired both heaven and the kingdom of Christ. The ascension is important. The ascension should not be ignored by any Christian. Without the ascension, we wouldn't have a representative in heaven. Christmas is Christmas because of the ascension. Ascension informs Easter and completes Easter and, and brings to the fullness that the victory has been won, that the work has been finished, that nothing else can be added. And so he ascends to the right hand of his father from where he came in the first place. And without the ascension, there'd be no Pentecost. No Pentecost. So I want you to know the ascension. I want you to know that Jesus ascended bodily to the heavens. And that same Jesus is coming back in glory with all of the angels and glories of heaven. And he's coming for you and for me. And for all who follow him and believe in him throughout all generations from beginning to end. The ascension is not to be ignored. The ascension is to be celebrated. I have someone in heaven who knows me. 
and who is like me in every respect except sin. It's the only thing that makes us different. He represents you at the right hand of the Father, and He ascended for that very purpose until He comes again. Amen.